Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's February 24th, 2023. And you know that any day that I'm joined by our books and reading regular Katie Proctor, it's going to be a happy day for all of us. Hello, Katie. Welcome back. And I am so happy to get you on the microphone again. It has been a minute, hasn't it? It has. And I'm so happy to be here today and so excited to talk to you about this because it's a topic that's so close to my heart. Yes. Yes. If you didn't notice by the title of today's episode, this discussion about books and reading with Katie is going to be a little different. Usually when Katie's here, she's got a whole list of books for us to read, books that are buzzy, that we want to check out. She fills up our TBR to overflowing with more awesome. This conversation is going to be a little bit different because we're going to be talking about something that I think is so highly relatable. And that is what happens when you feel like, you know what, I love to read, but my reading is just broken. In fact, Katie, this was a topic idea that comes from real life for you right now, right? Yeah, a little bit. I've been in a little bit of a reading rut, but not totally. So I can't wait to talk about all of that. Yes. Reading rut, reading slump, whatever you call it, we've all experienced it. And we want to, first of all, tell you it's totally normal, no matter how much you may love reading. It's totally normal to go through these sort of dry spells in something that brings us so much joy. And Katie, being the reading specialist that she is, has some ideas, some approaches, some strategies to kind of help us feel like we can get back into our reading groove. We have so much to talk about when it comes to all of that. We're going to get to all of that in just a bit. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sort of Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, I am so thrilled to tell you that you have come to the right place. Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast, it's also your community on the go, and you know that we would love to have you connect with us outside of your podcast app in one of our communities on social media. You guys, this is where our community aspect of Sort of Awesome really happens, and it happens daily around the clock. We have awesomes in New Zealand. We have awesomes in Australia. We have awesomes all over Europe, probably places I don't even know about, and of course, across North America. Wherever you are, whatever the time of day it is, you can come and find us on social media and get plugged into our community. 
The heart of our community is on Facebook in the Sort of Awesome Hangout. We have almost 6,000 women there who are there daily to help problem solve, to give product recommendations, to give life advice, give you the feedback that you're needing in your life. And I want to invite you to come over and join us on Instagram too. We are having so much fun with the Sword of Awesome account on Instagram at Sword of Awesome Show. Not just sharing things with you about Sword of Awesome, which we love to do, but just bringing that awesome to your Instagram feed that we know that you need. So come and find us on Facebook or Instagram. I'll have links in the show notes if you need a link to come and find us there. Katie, I know you're active in our awesome communities. And truly, it's like one of the most redeeming things about social media for me. <laughs> it is. They used to have like that groups part where you could oh, gosh, not see the yes. rest of Facebook and only the groups. And I need them to bring that back because yes, the groups that was app, <laughs> RIP, the groups app, it was like the best thing about Facebook. So of course they took it away from us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a lot to talk about when it comes to what to do when you feel like your reading is broken. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But Katie, first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to Sort of Awesome, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever it is that's making life a little more awesome right now. It could be a book, it could be a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, something that's bringing that gold sparkle to our days. Katie, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I had to bring books because it's a book episode. Yay! So we're just going to pile books. it on on top okay. here. Bring it on. It's more of a book genre, and that is the essay collection, which <gasps> I fell in love with last year when I read Ann Patchett's These Precious Days. It's just one of those things that I would never think, oh, I would like to read an essay book because okay, usually right? I was into fiction or, you know, longer nonfiction. But essays are such a sweet spot for me right now. In fact, Katie Cobb, who does the Currently Reading podcast, and I decided that for this year, we're going to read an essay a day, every single day this year. Oh, that's ambitious. I love it. So we had so much fun asking the Currently Reading Bookish friends what essay collections they loved. And so yes. we may or may not have had a little bit of champagne one day and got uh -huh. on thrift books and ordered a whole bunch of essay I'm collections. Obsessed you know, two copies of each so we could each have one. And so we have a whole stack ready to go for the year. And in a way, I have to so say, <laughs> I'm obsessed with the idea of two of my favorite Katie's with champagne in hand, scrolling thrift books, like, yes, yes, yes. And just filling their carts with all mm -hmm. of these essays. Katie, I feel like nobody talks about how amazing essay collections are. I have shared on the show, I'm a better nonfiction reader than I am fiction reader. And so mm -hmm. memoir and of course, like your sort of self-help type books, but essays do not get enough love in the reading world, I feel like. And they are so fantastic. And you can do it in little bites like that. You don't have to just sit down and read a collection cover to cover. You can do one a day. I'm obsessed yes. with your year of the essay. Okay. Tell us everything. Well, in fact, we have a rule that we only read one a day. And sometimes if they're really long, we'll only read half a day. But I feel like essays, if you read them, if you binge them, like some yes. people, I think binge essay collections, they just don't do it no, justice. I think you yeah. have to like read one at a time, take it in, yes. think about it for the rest of your day. And so we've been doing that. We started the year off with Toni Morrison's essay collection, which is called The Source of Self-Regard. And it's mm. kind of like a collection of her speeches and her essays and her literary criticisms and all that. She talks a lot about her own books. Toni Morrison is, was brilliant. And so yes. most of the time, both of us were like, uh, I don't understand fully what she is saying here, but 
yes. we got a lot out of it, especially being able to talk to each other yeah. about the essay and what we you know, could get out of it. So we finished that one in January, and then we switched over to Ross Gay, who's a poet and also writes essays. And he has a newer one called Inciting Joy right now that we're into, and we're really loving that one. It's a little okay. bit easier of a read. It's not so <laughs> cerebral, you know, but yes, it's yes. been really, really fun to do that. So I can't wait. We have some Barbara Kingsolver collections. We have a Salman Rushdie collection. We have another Ross Gay collection, one from Nora Ephron. So we just have a whole collection ready okay. to go. Can I give you a suggestion like right here on yes, the mic? Please. I mean, obviously, you guys, it sounds like you have plenty. One of my favorite essay collections came out in 2017. It's going to be much more lighthearted. It definitely deals with some heavier topics, but it's written by, I want to say, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to pronounce her name correctly, Sachi Cool. Okay. And the name of it is One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter. Oh, we have that one. That okay. was one of the thrift book purchases. Okay. So I'm super excited about I can't that. wait to hear your thoughts when you get into that. Again, that came out in 2017. I still think about essays I read in that book. I think she writes for BuzzFeed. She's a culture writer and a culture critic, but she's young. And just so funny. And also there's this really poignant things in that book. I think about that years later. It's one of my favorites. So I'm so glad it made your list. Yes. So good. Okay. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes. If you guys do want to follow along like Katie and Katie are doing this year, reading essays, maybe you could check out a few from your library or invest in a couple of copies of these for your collection. But Oh my gosh, you just made my day with the (laughs) essay love. (laughs) So great. Okay. Well, my awesome of the week this week is very low key and very laid back because Katie, as you know, last week, my family got hit with the stomach virus of the century. The worst. (laughs) was so bad. Like most stomach viruses, you can count on some GI distress, you know, for Mm -hmm. like, you know, 12 to 24 hours. This one came with all of that and fever and body aches and just feeling miserable for like days. I'm so sorry. That's awful. So last week I was, you know, pretty low energy and somehow, some way our Google overlords that own YouTube brought me the best gift in the form of home tours on the Architectural Digest YouTube channel. That's fun. Yeah. So I'm not really super big into like architecture and design. I mean, I love it and I appreciate it, but it's not something that I consume a lot of content around. I'm not one to read like a design magazine or even really watch YouTube videos where people are, you know, talking about different design elements. I think it's interesting, but it's not something I seek out. How YouTube decided to bring this to me, I do not know, but I am so thankful. It was just the right time when I was just laying in bed you know, when you're sick, you just want something that's just going to barely entertain you, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then also you could maybe sleep through while you're yeah. <laughs> recuperating. So on the Architectural Digest YouTube channel, they have this whole series called Open Door, where celebrities literally open the door and say, hi, AD, welcome to my mm. home. When I tell you it is like MTV's Cribs, only grown up, classy, <laughs> elevated, It is delightful. And each video is less than 15 minutes. So you can totally just kind of go watch one after another. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you who some of the most recent ones are. So you can kind of get a feel for what they're doing. And then I'm going to tell you the one, if you're not going to watch any other one, the one that I think you should watch. So some of the recent ones, let's look through the list and see. They've got Inside Sarah Paulson's 
cozy Malibu getaway. Let's see, inside Ellen Pompeo's mid-century Malibu beach house, inside Bryce Dallas Howard's glamorous L.A. home, inside Sienna Miller's secluded country cottage. It's celebrities from a variety of disciplines and genres and whatever. So you've got some singers, Nate Berkus and his husband's house. He's not a singer, obviously. He's just, you know, well-known celebrity, design celebrity. You've got Tommy Hilfiger. You've got Emma Chamberlain, who's, you know, big YouTube star. So a variety of celebrities showing off their home. I like the titles too. <laughs> They're very exactly. enticing. Yes, exactly. And so what each celebrity will do, because it is Architectural Digest, they kind of give you a history of the home, like when it mm -hmm. was built. Sometimes they'll tell you like who they bought it from, what was going on with the home before they bought it, if it was something that they like totally did a refurbishing of, or if it was kind of turnkey, they just bought it and they added their own touches. They tour you through the home. They show you the details like this is our kitchen. This is the backyard. This is the bedroom. It's all fascinating. If you are nosy like me and you love to see how <laughs> other people live, although this is almost surreal how, <laughs> mm -hmm. I bet, how dreamy and perfect it is. It's so great. I'm going to point you guys to one. If you are a woman of a certain age, like I am, I'm 45, I think you will love to see the home tour from Liv Tyler. So Liv Tyler, actress, most famously known for playing Arwen in the Lord of the Rings series. Mm -hmm. However, I have loved Liv Tyler since 1995 when Empire Records came out. I love Empire Records. That movie yes. is like a warm hug. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And if you feel like Katie and I do, then I think you will love Liv Tyler's home tour. She has this like brownstone. I can't remember if it's like in Brooklyn or Manhattan. It's in New York City somewhere. And she bought it when she was in her 20s. So not terribly long after Empire Records came out when she was just, you know, sort of like this 90s it girl with the movies. She bought it then. She's lived there this whole time. Wow. She's my age. So again, she's in her mid-40s. She's had her children there. She took it down to the absolute studs and redid the whole thing. It had been broken up into several apartments. She took all of that out, redid the whole thing, has lived there for decades. You can tell she loves that home so much and cares about it so much. And at the time this was filmed, I think it came out in 2019. So it was pre-pandemic. Her children were quite little. And so there's toys that you walk in the living room. There's like a toy shelf in her kitchen. There's like a little play kitchen where her kids play while she's making dinner or whatever. And Liv Tyler just has this breathy, ethereal voice as she's mm -hmm. taking you through the whole house. You have to watch to the end because she has this little attic above her master bedroom on the top floor of this brownstone. And this attic is absolutely filled with all kinds of memorabilia memories of hers, like she pulls out a tape, a VHS tape recording of when she was on David Letterman in the oh. early 2000s. It's just darling. It. I've watched it like two or three times. And oh. it just <laughs> makes me so, so happy. I love that. And I love that she didn't clean up all her stuff and put it away for the cameras. Right. That's awesome. Yes, exactly. I mean, I will say the toys in the video, they're like neatly on a shelf, but you can tell right, it's right. absolutely the amount of toys that when the cameras aren't there, there's toys everywhere mm -hmm. for sure. So I'll put a link to that one specifically in the show notes and then just to the channel. And this is not like a new series. It's just that YouTube has decided to bring it into my life. And it brought me so much awesome, especially last week while I was sick. So 
Sounds Love like the it. perfect gift for you. So I'm glad you found it. It was. It totally was. All right. Those are our awesomes of the week. Of course, we always want to hear what's awesome in your life. And speaking of our social media communities, on Friday, we are always asking you what's awesome. We often find things that we bring into our own lives here on the Sort of Awesome team that we learn from you awesome. So please do make sure to come and tell us either on Facebook or Instagram what is awesome in your life. I can't wait to hear all about it. Katie, we have lots to talk about with reading and what to do when we're just not feeling it. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hey, friends, we all know that there is no one size fits all solution when it comes to hair care. And that's because your hair and your hair goals are completely unique. I know when I think about buying new products for my hair, I've got to think about the fact that I have curly hair. I have color treated hair. I have hair that is maturing along with me. And thanks to my personalized pros routine, I can honestly say I am loving my hair so much more these days. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it is personal. Using natural ingredients with proven results, Pros customizes every product in your routine from shampoo to supplements. First, Pros starts by asking about my hair goals. I super love that their in-depth consultation asks you questions about who you are as a person. Pros asked me some really unexpected things like my eating habits, how much I exercise, and most surprisingly, my zip code. Yes, they asked my zip code and I'm so glad they did because then they knew that here in Oklahoma City, we have hard water and they adjusted my pros products to fit that need. Actually, pros analyzed all my answers and handpicked clean ingredients to help me reach my hair goals. So I'm using my pros shampoo, my pros conditioner, and the pros curl cream. And overall, my hair is just looking shinier and feeling so much stronger. Pros is the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off of your first order today. Go to pros.com slash awesome. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash awesome for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Okay, we are back with Katie Proctor today. You guys know that Katie is our books and reading specialist, our regular here on the show. And like I said at the top of the show, almost always when Katie is here, we're talking about what books to read at the beach this summer, you know, different kinds of collections that you can add to your list for whatever your reading mood is at the moment. But this week, we wanted to do something a little bit different and just kind of have a real life conversation. In fact, I think, Katie, that this idea came to you back closer to the beginning of the year after Rebecca and I had been talking about how we felt like in some ways the pandemic has broken us and we're still trying mm -hmm. to get back into our rhythms and our grooves. And you found that relatable, but most specifically in the realm of your life that is reading, which is a huge part of your life. Not only are you an avid reader, you're also an author. You teach elementary. And so you've got thinking about topics like literacy and reading all the time. So this is like a big deal for you. Tell me a little bit more about what's been going on with that. So I will say the pandemic specifically in 2020 did not break my reading. In fact, it elevated it because I was okay, yes, a lot. You know, I think I went from maybe 150 books in 2019 to like 250 books in 2020. Wow. So just yeah. to give people context, that's the volume of what I'm used to reading because in 2020 and 2021, I think I got up to 240 or something in 2021. And then January came around and I got to the end of the month and I was like, I only read 10 books this month, which yeah. for some people is a lot of books. But for me, it just felt like I was 
limping toward the end of January. Like, what is going on? I wasn't excited to pick up anything. I wasn't super inspired to get in my bed and read my book. I was doing a lot of scrolling and that kind of stuff, which happens to all of us. So it made me think, you know, let's talk about what do we do when we're not reading and when we want to be reading. If you're not reading and you don't want to be reading, then do you? Well, for sure. I think that that is such an important thing to say is that feeling like you're in a reading slump or reading rut can look so different for all of us. For you, reading 10 books in a month, you're looking at your list and like, gosh, I can't believe I've read so little this month. Whereas Mm -hmm. some people are like, I made it a goal to read 10 books last year. You know, like (laughs) we're all on different parts of the spectrum. I'm thinking back in times of my life because I've experienced this more than a few times. I think the first time I can really remember experiencing this, this would be no surprise to anyone, is after I graduated from college and I had gotten a degree in English. So mm-hmm. it was a lot, a lot of assigned reading and writing. Yeah. It was never reading for fun. It was always reading for, you know, writing about it for the academic part of reading. So I graduated with a degree in English and then I got a job teaching English, mm-hmm. which meant that then I was the assigner <laughs> the reading. And then you had to reread all the things that you yes. already read, yes. And so again, it was still a lot of reading because, you know, obviously when you're an English teacher, you don't get to pick. To some extent, you have a little freedom and flexibility, but a lot of times the curriculum set for you, especially back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s when I was teaching, it was pretty much like you will make sure that your students read this, this, and this. Well, first of all, I had to read a lot of it for the first time. And then secondly, Again, it wasn't reading for pleasure. It was reading to think about how do I teach this material? How do I make this fun? How do I get my students to be excited to read The Great Gatsby? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like enjoyable reading. That was the first time in my life, Katie, that I was like, I don't like reading. And I had been a total bookworm growing up. I was the kid. I used to get in trouble at the dinner table for trying to, you know, sneak books to the dinner table, try to keep (laughs) reading while we're supposed to be having family dinner. That's cute. Reading sustained me through Mm -hmm. my childhood, my adolescence. I was always reading. And this was the first time and here I was a young adult and I had what would be kind of a dream job for somebody who loves to read, which is not even teaching kids to read, like helping them engage with literature in meaningful ways. And I just started to really hate reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see how that happens. I mean, the books I read with my kids because they're fifth graders, I can get through really fast because they're middle grade books. I mean, I still have to think through how I'm going to teach it and stuff, but I don't think it's at that level of like high school where you have to break down and analyze everything. So I still feel like the books I get to read with my kids are fun for me. Yeah, And I do have a lot of freedom in what I get to pick, which is awesome. That's so great. But I totally understand how all that, you know, and we hear over and over again how People are just like, I like to read. And then I went to college and had to read. And then I didn't like it anymore. So I totally understand that. I know. And it's such a conundrum because I've been on both sides of it. I've been the college student who was slogging through American novel and had to read Moby Dick, which I think was, (laughs) that probably is the moment that I was broken in reading. I hated (laughs) that novel so much. Just absolute slog for me getting through that. And so I understand that part of it. But then I also understand from the teaching perspective that there's a reason why we teach books. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why literature is an important part of 
a well-rounded education and how do we balance the two? It really is quite the conundrum. I've thought about it a lot. I'm sure all teachers have in some way. The other times I can remember really hitting a dry spell is after my first child was born Mm -hmm. and I was a stay-at-home mom. I had a brand new baby and you would think that that would be such a great time for reading because you're at home a lot. It's hard to get out of the house. Daisy was born in January, so I wasn't out and about very much when she was a new baby. And I can just remember your brain is just so overtaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I had no capacity for reading in those days. I will say my postpartum days, I read a lot in the middle of the night for like night feedings. I would have my Kindle app on my phone and so I would read for that. But during the day, like all I wanted to do was watch Criminal Minds on repeat on some weird cable channel and not even think about anything. So I totally get that too. And I feel a little old now because I'm thinking, 2005, when Daisy was born, we didn't have e-readers. Like you were reading Mm -hmm. a paper book that you had to keep track of and like find your place and whatever, or you weren't reading, you know? Right. (laughs) If you were listening to a book, it was literally a book on tape that you checked out of the (laughs) library. You had to have your your Walkman (laughs) next to you. (laughs) Walkman. Yes. Yes. And so there wasn't a lot of flexibility back in those days when I was a brand new mom. I'm trying to think of other times. You know, I think speaking of postpartum, I have said this for years. One of the reasons why I love Rainbow Rowell's book, Fangirl, so much is that was the first book that I read coming out of postpartum depression after Mm -hmm. our twins were born. And when I had postpartum depression, like I was definitely not reading, but reading that book was the first time I can remember feeling just joy, just for the intrinsic experience of joy. And I always mark this, when I got to meet Rainbow at a book event years ago, I wrote a card and gave it to her because she did like a a meet and greet book signing afterwards. And I gave her a card and I put my Twitter handle in there because she used Twitter a lot back in those days. Maybe she still does. I don't. (laughs) But anyway, I left my Twitter handle and she sent me a message to say thank you for the card. That was so lovely. But I told her that meant like fangirl means so much to me because it was such a huge mile marker in my recovery. So anyway, that. And then last year was tough with me for reading because I had started out the year like so gung ho and Mm -hmm. I was going to do all this reading journaling. I got super into book talk on TikTok and there was all these books and book journals and I was so excited. And then when my mom died in March, I was like, everything I had been doing leading mm-hmm. up to that, I couldn't physically even pick up my book journal because it just was so closely attached to the weeks before my mom passed away. It was like, I don't know. I will say, I will say, thank goodness for audiobooks because for some reason I felt so much freedom and just, I didn't have the same attachment as reading a physical book, which was really mm-hmm. difficult for me, but listening to a book. I could totally do. And that's how I basically do almost all of my reading now. I do a big chunk of my reading on audio. And I think it's because I feel, and this may be off topic a little bit, but I feel like a little bit guilty that I'm not, you know, up doing something if I'm sitting down reading a book, which I should not feel that way because we (laughs) should have times to sit down, right? But audiobooks let you kind of do all the things at the same time. And so I do a lot. I do a lot of reading on audio these days too. I feel like that's some big three energy coming through. It is. Right it is. <laughs> that reminds me, I just saw a TikTok this very morning. I saw a TikTok of the woman who was talking about what it's like to be married to an Enneagram three. 
And her wife had gotten a walking pad. It's kind of like a treadmill, but there's no oh, like uh-huh. handlebars. For your just desk? Like you just walk on it. She bought it for their living room so that she could walk while they watch Gilmore Girl reruns oh. in the evening. <laughs> and she was just talking about that three thing that every single minute has to be productive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It feels kind of gross, but it's a thing. <laughs> I got such a kick out of that. I had to send it to Kate Anania, who's been on the show a few times. She's my daily yoga partner. Mm. So I had to send that to her because she's also a three. And she's like, I've thought about getting one of those. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yes, anyway, to go back to the audiobook thing, it does. It lets you read while you're going about your daily life, whether you're walking the dog or doing the dishes or folding the laundry. It brings reading into your day in a way that sitting with a physical book can't always happen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so thankful for that. Me too. And I love how easy they are now. You just have to have a phone and some earbuds and you're all yes, set. Exactly. Exactly. But you have some ideas. We're going to get to that in a second. But are there other times in your life? I feel like I've been just chit-chatting away about my own <laughs> reading broken times. But are there other times in your life when you've been like, I am in a deep rep, whatever that looks like for you? I feel like mine goes more in cycles, especially with the school year now that I'm teaching again. Like, you know, we have report card season and it's like we have to write all these report cards. And so I don't get a lot done in those weeks leading up to that or, you know, right at the beginning of the school year when you're just so tired. (laughs) I come home and like go to sleep at 830 and there's not a lot of time for anything then, you know, so mine kind of just ebbs and flows with, you know, what my kids are doing and with school. And so I think that's what happened to me in January. Like I took this break. I don't think I did a single thing for school over the Christmas break. And I was so refreshed. And then I came back to work and I was like, oh, we have things to do now. (laughs) So that is probably why my reading was lower in January. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I'm just curious. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. What percentage, just roughly guesstimate, what percentage of the books that you read in a month are you actually reading for like to prepare something for your class? Is it connected to school? I had never really thought about that, but you probably are, especially because you love middle grade and incorporate a Mm -hmm. lot of that into your classroom. Do you find your reading, you know, like a quarter of your reading list for a month might be stuff that you're going to actually have in your classroom? Okay. So you're going to laugh because this is three energy too, but I don't actually count the books that I read for class <laughs> for my personal books because yeah. they're ones that I've read before. And so really on my you know second okay. or third time through, I'm mostly either skimming or listening really fast on audio just to make Got sure it. that I have the story and I can go into class and can okay. talk to them about the things. So I don't necessarily count those unless it's a first read, but I don't usually do that with my students because doing a first read with them is kind of scary if you don't know yeah. what's happening. <laughs> But I will say like I do a 40 book challenge in my classroom with the kids. So I issue them a challenge at the beginning of August and say, hey, let's read 40 books together. You know, so they're reading on their own. I'm reading on my own. And most of my middle grade books that I read count towards that for my personal challenge with my kids. Okay. So I have different genre requirements and stuff. So I'll be like, oh, I need a historical fiction. And the kids will read this one and I'll go read that one. So those I do count for my personal book list because those are usually new to me. So. I would say about 25%, probably each month or middle grade. And I read those just to keep up with my kids in the classroom so I can talk to them about what they're reading and things like that. Yes. I love it. Every single time you talk about how much reading you incorporate into your classroom, I just, it makes (laughs) me so happy. So inspiring. So good. Okay. Well, like I said, Katie has some ideas about why do we get into these reading ruts? And also if you push play on this 
episode thinking like, okay, my reading is broken right now too. She's got some tips for you, but you know what? Maybe you're not there right now, but again, we all hit these moments. We all get into these, like you said, into these cycles where you just are not feeling it. So even if you're not there right now, either save these tips for the future or pass this along to somebody who has mentioned to you, I just don't feel like reading anymore. So Katie's going to help us bring the awesome back to our reading lives when we come right back. Hey, awesomes. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I remember that I took two years of Spanish in high school, and by the time I got to college and took another semester of Spanish, I had almost forgotten everything I learned in high school. But now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn that new language you've been thinking about learning. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or if you just have some free time and you want to expand your brain, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. Honestly, that's why I picked Spanish as the language I'm working on with Babbel, because where I live, the Spanish language is all around me, and I would love to be able to further engage with people in our community just by picking up a little Spanish. And you can do just that with Babbel. They make 15-minute lessons. It's the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. A huge difference that I've noticed is that other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent so you do not sound like you learned a language from an app. You sound like you learned it from real people. And Awesomes, right now, you can get up to 55% off of your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash awesome. That's babbel.com slash awesome for up to 55% off of your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Okay, we are back and we are talking with Katie Proctor today about what to do when your reading life feels broken, when you have hit that reading rut and just no matter what, you just can't find that motivation to pick up a new book. You know, maybe you're going to talk about this. Maybe you finished a great book and you like, I can't imagine reading another book right now. Maybe that's on your list. You've got some ideas about why does this happen to us, first of all, before we talk about how to kind of try to fix it. Yeah, book hangovers are for sure a real thing. Yes. And one of the ways that I make sure I don't get stuck in a book hangover is to make sure that I have the next one picked out already. And Ooh, that's lots smart. of times I will even put down a book, even if I loved it, I will put it down and read the first chapter of whatever book is next right oh, that's away. So smart. Because sometimes you can take pick a few days and just be like, oh, I love that book so much. Yes. Don't want anything else. But if yeah. you go ahead and pick up the next one, that's something that I do. And like we talked about before, you know, sometimes you just want to watch TV instead. Sometimes your brain is not ready to consume books. Sometimes you're just too tired. Oftentimes I get stuck behind a book that I feel like I should be reading because mm. whether everyone else is reading it or it should be yeah. a good fit for me or something that I was like super excited about. So I made sure to buy it. So I feel some kind right? of obligation to it, but I'm yeah. just not loving it. And so that'll sit on my nightstand for a while. And I look at it and I'm like, I don't want to read that. <laughs> so I'll go yes. do something else. Yeah. So I think like sometimes that. if you're in a book club and mm -hmm. it was somebody else's selection, but like you said, that obligation thing, like I really should be reading that. I think sometimes it might trigger like our school days when it feels like assigned reading yes. and, and then it's hard to find the motivation when somebody yes. else told you, oh, you got to read this. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So there's all kinds of reasons we, you know, get stuck, but there's lots of great ways to get unstuck. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about that. What are some ideas that you have for us awesomes, especially that you've found to be true in your own life? How do we unstick ourselves? So my first and biggest suggestion to anyone is to find a middle grade or a young adult that is not going to require too much attention or focus or brain power for the vocabulary level and all of that. And just to sink into like a fun, quick read, especially if you're an Enneagram 3 and you care about your numbers, you know, get through it quickly yeah, and enjoy it. But I have two series that I wanted to bring today that I don't think I've talked about on okay. Sort of Awesome before, but the middle grade Perfect. series that I love. And series are great because if you love the first one, you can hop onto the second one and go and go and go until you're all out. And that those can be so fun to just get into. And so for middle grade, The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street by Karina Jan Glazer. This is a middle grade curmudgeon story. So if you love a man called Uva or Eleanor Oliphant or any of those, this is about a family that lives in Harlem and there's five kids. It's a very chaotic household. They have all kinds of animals and they find out that their landlord who lives on the third floor is actually not going to renew their lease. Mm. So he has kind of made it clear that they are too much, too noisy. Mm. (laughs) One of the girls plays violin and so she's constantly playing music. They are just such a lovable family, but they're a lot. (laughs) And he is kind of a recluse and they don't know much about him. So throughout the course of the story, the kids are like on a mission to save their house because they love their house. And so they're trying to find ways to convince him to let them stay, to learn more about him and his story. And this is one that I read with my kids every year. And inevitably, they want to go and find the next one right away. Oh, I love it. I was going to say, this sounds like a great read aloud for sure, too, if you do have kids. Yes. And so far, there are six of them. And I think she's writing a seventh and that'll be the last one in the series. So there's lots you could get into. Now, my mom, who is in her 70s, loves the Vanderbeeker. She is like, do you have the next one? Do you have the next one? And so it's just a great series to just feel really good about. So that's the middle grade one. The young adult one, which is older and so all the way done, is called The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mm. Meyer. Have you read these? Mm -hmm. Okay. I I love them. Yes. Starting with Cinder. So this is like futuristic. There's cyborg. Cinder herself is a cyborg. It's kind of a retelling of Cinderella. She gets commissioned by this prince to fix this robot thing that he needs. And they kind of fall into this huge rebellion thing that's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's like dystopian, but it's like fairy tales. And there's a romance, but it's not. It's like really sweet and innocent. And I think there are four of those with some novellas sprinkled in. And I just love those. I read them straight through. And that was just such a joy. So yes, series and for kids are great. I will say that that Cinder series, I call it the Cinder series. I don't think it's meant to be called that, but that's how it is in my mind. Starts with Cinder. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Those are so fast, so fast paced. Mm -hmm. You get right into the action right away. And I think yeah. that that really helps you to, you just want to keep going. I love that series. I haven't thought about it in a while. So good. Yes. Love that. So the next thing that I always say too, is to find a book that you have loved and just reread it. You know, okay. like for you, I'd be like, go back and read Fangirl. Go back and read <laughs> yes. those books that just make you feel like it's a warm hug, <laughs> you know, yes. because when you're getting into a reread, you know what you're getting into. You know where the story's going to go. You know what you're going to feel like afterwards. 
So that can be a really comforting place to just dip into. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission. Like we think if we've read a book as much as we loved it, we just got to keep it on the shelf like it's cheating or something if we reread a favorite it's not book. Cheating. It's, it's not, not cheating. cheating. <laughs> no, no, it's actually wonderful. And I mean, Pride and Prejudice is a book that I reread often and I actually have it on my Kindle app on my phone. So if I find myself without a book somewhere and I need to like wait a little while, I can open that up and just wherever I am in Pride and Prejudice, I could just keep going because yeah. it's one of those that I love. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is another one that I've read multiple times because it's just yeah. distillery and you can kind of read a couple of letters at a time and just dip it back into it. So that's another one that I love. And A Prayer for Owen Meany is, you know, my favorite of all times. And so getting to reread that sometimes is just like, oh, I love this so much. And you remember why you love right. to read when you read your rereads. That is the perfect way to say it. If you're in a reading rut because you feel disconnected from that just sheer joy of reading, mm -hmm. I think that's a brilliant idea. Pick up a book that brought you joy and reread it. Remember why it's so fun. Yes, of course, you might remember the big picture of what's going to happen, but there's going to be like those little words and phrases and moments that you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. And you mm -hmm. get to experience and relive those feelings that you have for that book and those characters and everything that happens all over again. It's fantastic. Yeah. Another thing that I love to do is just go get a new book, go to the library, go to your favorite indie bookstore. Even if you don't get anything, just being surrounded by books yes. and smelling them and hearing other people talk about books and seeing other people be excited about books can be a really fun way to get yourself back into that mindset of like, I want to read and I want to feel like I want to read. And those are two places to go to do that. Yes, absolutely. Do you have anything that you've picked up recently that you're well, like, you know, people might like this? This is my favorite thing too. Lots of times librarians will have like staff picks or new releases or, you know, little shelves and indie bookstores often have staff picks. So they have like what we call yes. shelf talkers or something. Right. And I usually, again, this is like a lot about my Enneagram 3-ness, but lots of times when <laughs> okay. I go to a bookstore, I have a list of books that I want to get, right? Like okay. I already know mm -hmm. what I'm going to go in and look for, but sometimes I like to be surprised. So the last time that I picked up a book that I had no idea, was not on my radar at all, was when I was in Waco. We went to Fabled oh, and yeah. they had a memoir on the shelf and some staff member had written that they loved it. And it's called The Salt Path by Rainer Wynn. I don't know if you've heard of this one. I have not. Huh. And at the time we were like considering going off grid and living in an RV full time yeah, <laughs> and doing the thing. And so I was like into those adventure books, like Tish Oxenrider and her family had gone, you know, to right. live Travel around the world. world. Yeah, And so this one was kind of in that vein. And so this one is about their elderly couple, her husband discovers that he has a terminal illness of some kind. They lose their entire property to some weird shady business deal. They mm. lose their farm. Their grown kids are kind of off on their own. And so it's just the two of them. And so they decide to, you know, liquidate everything and go walk this 630 mile, it's called the Southwest Coast Path in England. And so mm. you get to see them prepare for this. You get to see them live through it. They're backpacking and living in a tent and, you know, all the people that they meet along the way. And so it's kind of one of those adventure stories, but I loved it so much. And I would have never yeah. picked it up had I not seen it at the bookstore, yes. you know, yes. and just been like, oh, this one looks really good. 
I think that's such good advice. Go somewhere where the vibrations around reading are really high. Like you said, could be your local library. Most mm-hmm. of us have access at least to a local library, could be a local bookstore. Even if you can't get into a physical location, I feel like the digital equivalent is listen to books and reading podcasts. I mean, of course, we would recommend Currently Reading or Amy Allen Clark's Book Gang podcast are two that we love around here, but there's so many. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times just hearing that energy, that enthusiasm that other people have for reading can kind of relight your fire a little bit. If nothing else, then give you these hooks for like, oh my gosh, that sounds like something I would totally love. I find the same energy on Book Talk. I really do. Mm-hmm. Book Talk has come under like a lot of random criticism, I feel like, from sort of more mainstream media articles in the past couple of months. People saying like, oh, Book Talk just recommends the same 20 books over and over. I mean, I guess it depends on what TikTok is showing you because mm-hmm. I have come across books on TikTok, people recommending them that I never would have found. I had never heard of, never would have found. But the person, the TikToker who was talking about the book was like so enthusiastic about it and just presented it in just the right way that I was like, well, I mean, obviously I have to read that. So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Finding somewhere where the energy around books and reading Mm -hmm. is high because I do think that sometimes when you're in a reading rut, you tend to avoid reading centric things. You tend to avoid going to bookstores because you feel bad about reading Mm -hmm. or you feel guilty that you're not reading. And so you avoid the thing that could actually help you get that spark going to where you want to pick up a book. And truly, if you have an independent bookstore, and libraries do this too, like people who love books, they're going to be able to pretty quickly tell you like, well, if nothing else, you should at least pick up blah, 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 and kind of get you hyped up about it. Yeah. And you can borrow people's enthusiasm sometimes if you're not feeling that enthusiasm. Yes, exactly. Okay. We talked about audiobooks already, but I just can't say enough. There's so many benefits to just being able to throw in your earbuds to listen to something, whatever it may be, you know, while you're cleaning or doing laundry or working out, whatever. I feel like I didn't really listen to audiobooks too much until like the past couple of years, I think I got into them. But I feel like the quality of audiobooks has gone way up in the production because I've listened to some older ones. Like I'll go back into a backlist of, you know, mystery series or something. And I'm like, Uh oh, the audio is not as good here. And so they've been doing really creative things with audiobooks, like full casts when there's, you know, different perspectives shown. Yeah. The different ways that people weave music into them now or, you know, different production quality. And so I wanted to bring some of my favorite audiobook okay. experiences. Yes, let's hear it. So The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. It is one of the best audiobooks I've ever read. The narrator's voice is just like butter. It's about the Trojan War told from the perspective of Patroclus, who is Achilles in this story, his lover. And it is just a beautiful, I mean, tragic. We all know how it ends for everybody, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. And the audio is so good. And then Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle, which I just yes. boss people around all the time to read on audio because at the end of every chapter yes. is a song that she sings you. And so it's beautiful. Yep. And then I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt, which I talked about, I think, last mm-hmm. time with you. Yes. He left all these sweet moments where he like breaks down and cries and his producer's like, do you need a minute? And he's like, no, I think I got it. And just to see 
that whole process workout for him on the audiobook is tremendous. So those are my three go-to recommendations for audiobooks. You know that when we talk about if you want an audiobook experience, you know I'm going to say Project Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. Which Andy Weir wrote. Was that during the pandemic? <laughs> I literally can't remember when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. I because I, was. I got it right when I moved to Albuquerque. So, yeah. Okay. That audiobook experience is a phenomenal. So great. I love it so much. There's so many audiobooks I love, but I feel like, you know, you mentioned the full cast approach to mm -hmm. recording. Have you ever listened to Lincoln and the Bardo? Okay, no, I Saunders? tried that one and it was so weird that I was it so is weird. confused. It's what's so that called it when it's go. like a conceptual novel? Is that what that's called? Like, like speculative? Fiction? Speculative. Speculative fiction, right? I think mm -hmm. that's what it is. It is very strange. It is a strange story, but the audio production is 166 people in the cast. It's like this idea of President Lincoln. Is he like in a cemetery? I haven't listened to it, but it's one of those that I feel like someday I'm going to tackle this. Someday I'm going to get to this. But he's interacting with all of these spirits. And the cast includes people like Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally are in it, Rain Wilson, oh, mm -hmm. Keegan-Michael Key, Miranda July, Carrie Brownstein. Susan Sarandon, the cast is freaking incredible. And for that reason alone, I'm always like, you know what? I'm going to spend one of my Audible credits on that. I'm going to get to it. I just haven't really had the motivation to actually get it and push play on it. But I've heard it is a whole experience for sure. Okay. Well, I have not heard that. And so I'm intrigued now. Maybe I will give it another try. I think I tried to read it on Kindle and I was like, what is actually happening right. here? I have yes. no idea. <laughs> so. Another great one is Taylor Jenkins reads Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, uh -huh. is a full cast recording. And that one is fantastic. And also they're coming out with the TV series of that. I don't know if you saw mm. trailers on that. I did. That's be it out good. Soon. I loved that book, but I read it on paper, which I guess was the wrong way to do that, but I still loved it. It's really good on audio for sure, for sure. There's so many good ones. Like we don't want to turn this into a whole audiobook episode, but there's so much good stuff out there. And truly, it is a great way to get back into reading because you can just work it back into your life. Like sometimes you just feel like I'm in a reading rut because when on earth am I going to sit down mm -hmm. with a book? Like my schedule does not allow for this. If I sit down, I will fall asleep. That's literally why. I started reading books on audio because I was in a stage of life where I was just so wrung out that mm -hmm. anytime I sat down with a book, I would genuinely fall asleep. I can work audio into my daily life and it works for me. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I have one more suggestion. And okay. this one is just to read with a friend, you know, oh, just yeah. to have some accountability and to have like a social aspect to it. Because sometimes yes. you just want to be able to talk to people about what you're reading. And sometimes right. you don't. And that's either of those things are fine. But I find that having a buddy to read with, or even if you're not reading the same book, but if you're like, hey, what are you reading right now? This yes. is what I'm reading and this is what it's about. And I really like it. Have you read this one? You know, just having those conversations, which I feel like I get to do all day because I get to have those conversations with kids. I get to have them with my librarian at school. And, you know, Katie and I read a lot of the same books together or we read them like at different times and can talk about them. And so that's really fun. But there's just not a lot of rules with buddy reading, right? You pick right. a book that you want to read together, decide on a schedule or not. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes like for this essay thing that we're doing, we read an essay every day. But if we pick like a fiction book to read, it's just like balls to the wall. Whoever can get the end first will be waiting yes. for the other person to finish. And so we do things differently. And then just to talk about them frequently, like, hey, did you get to this part yet? Or where are you? So I don't want to spoil something, but you know, I'm excited to hear what you think about XYZ. I want to tell you, I don't know if you've heard about the Fable app, Meg. Have you heard about this app? I have heard about it. I've not used it. I think I heard about it in the Currently Reading podcast group. Yeah. So I need all of the awesomes to know about this. Okay. Let's hear everything. So the Fable app gives you a way to have a book club or even just with two people. You tell them what book you're reading. It's a free app unless you want to like have a million people on there, which I think you have to have a paid upgrade thing, but I have a free one. And so you tell them what book you're reading and it loads all of the chapters into the app. Like if my essay book that we're reading now has 10 or 14 essays. And so each one has its little thing. Mm -hmm. So you can go in to whatever part you're at and you can click on the chapter that you're on and you can put your thoughts in there. (gasps) And so then your friend who's reading with you can come back later and be like, oh, hey, and they can respond. They can leave you a little emoji. They can see it. And then that way you're not spoiling anything, especially if you're reading fiction, right? Because if you just go to the chapter that you're on, then you can say something and then you don't have to go further. And so you can kind of keep track of where you are. You can keep track of your thoughts. We're going to archive all of them and then be able to go back. We put quotes that we love in there. You know, I want to remember this line forever. So I'm typing it in here. It's just a nice way to kind of collect those thoughts about those books. So it's really cool. Brilliant. Yeah, it's great. And so that's what Katie and I have been using for our buddy reads is that app. Which lets us have our, our chat, our normal chat doesn't have right. things about those books. And so it kind of lets us keep it separate, which has been really, really cool for us. Oh my gosh, that is so smart. I'm so glad that the internet in the, the app world exists <laughs> right? because this has been right? needing to be a thing for so long. I love it. All right. So I want to tell you about just the two of the most recent ones we did together that we both loved. The first one's called Invisible Child, Poverty, Survival, and Hope in an American City by Andrea Elliott. Have you heard of this one? I have, yes. So this one is, it's tough. It's nonfiction. It's almost 500 pages. She's a New York Times investigative reporter. Her goal going into this book was to kind of expose what was happening in one of the family shelters in New York City Mm. for homeless families. And what she found was this one family that she kind of fell in love with them especially the oldest daughter. Her name's Dasani. And she basically followed her from by the time she was eight all the way until she was in high school. Mm. And so this reporter has been around for all of their ups and downs and all the things that they have to go through all. And she's 
documenting how they survive, how they have to get to school and how they can feed their family and how all of these things happen. And so it's tough, but it's a really good look at our systems and how people are having to navigate systems and live through systems. And you Mm. just, you're like her and you just fall in love with this family and especially Dasani. So that was one that we read together and we read that one pretty slowly. I think we did like one or two chapters a day just to have a little bit every day. Right. And then the most recent fiction one that we love was actually a book of the month pick and it was called Black Cake. Have you read that one yet? No, I've seen the cover is like really gorgeous. So I've seen it all over the place. I haven't read it. So this one's by Charmaine Wilkerson and it's about these brother and sister, Benny and Byron, and their mom has just passed and they have been pretty estranged. And so Mm -hmm. they both get called by the lawyer and he has them listen to this eight hour recording that their mom put together for them. Oh, wow. And they have to get through it before the funeral. But she has a secret that she has been holding her entire life and just now telling her kids about what actually happened to her as a kid and how she got Mm. to where she is and who their dad was and all of these things. And so we get to go back in time to see her life. And then we get to be in the present time with the siblings as they kind of wrestle with all of this. What I loved about Black Cake, first of all, was the chapters are like three pages long. Oh, wow. a 100% on board. For short chapters, they're my favorite. So really easy to keep flipping and keep flipping. And I just felt like the ongoing mystery and the family component was just like catnip for me. So those are the last two, the most recent ones that we've done that we have loved. And I wanted to bring them so everybody knew about them. Yeah. You never know. I mean, I feel inspired to pick that one up because that sounds fascinating. So yes, I'm so glad you brought such good examples for us. So if we do need a little spark to relight the reading fire to kind of help fix, you know, any ruts that we have found ourselves in, those are such great suggestions, Katie. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Okay. Well, I think this is going to be a really helpful conversation for people who are feeling a little broken, a little stuck. It's not something that we really talk about a lot, I think, especially if you are a pretty avid reader. You can have a lot of feelings around it. Or if you're listening and you're like, you know, I used to like to read years ago. Maybe I could get back into it. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I hope that this has spoken to you. And again, pass this on to somebody in your life who maybe has mentioned that they're struggling with their reading lives because I know people are going to be able to find the awesome and get that back into their lives. Katie, if people want to find you all around the web to follow along with what you're doing, you share so much about great books and reading on your social media. Where can we find you doing that? Mostly on Instagram at Katie Proctor Writes and Reads. Yes. Okay. Well, you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg, whatever platform you're on. You can find Sorta Awesome wherever you are by searching Sorta Awesome. Again, we're on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And the Hangout is Sorta Awesome Hangout on Facebook. We would love to have you join us. We love to hear your feedback on the show. So come and find us anytime and let us know your thoughts. Katie, thank you again so much for all of this totally made my day just hearing you talk about it. So thank you. Thanks for having me again. I love doing this with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.